With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy. And it's May. If it's not Tasty Cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitutes. The ball comes over. It was just outrageous. He looks at Howard. Roy's got to break him. Hits it first time, scores, and then just stands there looking at the Everton fans with his arm around Suarez as if to say, Yep, I just did that. It's the day, Trippers. Welcome to the first Day Trippers Anfield FM show, which we are calling Trippers Down Memory Lane. Once a month, we'll be taking a look back at a memorable season and remembering the soundtrack to the events and themes of that campaign as they unfolded. A very special guest will join us later on uh, to round out the show, the captain of the side of the season that we're talking about, John Barnes. Tonight, we're looking at the 1996-97 season. The dubious phenomenon that was Britpop was in its pomp, as was normal pop. Dance, hip-hop, trip-hop and various other hop genres were also popular. Liverpool Football Club had just finished the 95-96 season in third place, having challenged right the way through and lost to United in the FA Cup final when Big Nose scored that half volley. Alan Shearer became the most expensive English signing of all time. Patrick Vieira was signed by Arsenal despite them having no manager. But there was no screeching Jim White transfer window deadline day, so signings were happening right the way through the season. We kicked off the year with the belief that we could really challenge United and wrestle back the title which had eluded the club since 1990. To think that this seemed like ages to us 18 years ago. That season saw Sky Sports' Ford Super Sunday introduce a new theme, Paul Weller's Out of the Sinking.
Then let's start our look back at this most remarkable of seasons by focusing for a little while on the first game, a 3-3 draw at Middlesbrough, which kind of represented the season as a whole. It was uh, very, very dramatic indeed. Dave, your memories of that game? Oh, man. I just remember being so excited that game. You know, it was like, I mean, the weather was fantastic. I remember it really well. It was so warm. Mm. and uh, But the team had to run out in that really horrible kind of cream uh, sure. Do you think they'd have enough of cream after the cup final the year before? But yeah. they was, that, was that the famous Ecru number? The oh. force of the Reebok uh, splendid away jersey. It's awful. It they must have been a terrible thing. Like, you know, yeah, they, they, the Warrior bought all the designers. And it was, uh, you know, it was a good game. I mean, the original Jan uh, Arisa scored first. Uh, Bjornaby scored his first goal yeah. for the club. Mm. Uh, typical kind of left fullback goal goes on the left hand side. You know, puts it in, and then we just got. Ravenelli the afternoon, <laughs> you know. Uh, we went 1-0 up, uh, Ravenelli then scores a penalty. Um, and we'd been playing three at the back, uh, you know, we were just on about it. We were playing three at the back the season before. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was the first time we played this particular five. You mm-hmm. know, we played, uh, so we had Bab, we had, you know, Matteo playing, Bjorna B, Magatia, oh, and right. then uh, we had Mark Wright, you know, yeah. coming towards kind of the twilight of his career. So they mm-hmm. were a little bit uh, jittery. And Middlesbrough were really good. I think that was the other thing that I remember jumping out to me, thinking, Jesus, actually, you know, they bought some good players there. Janino playing. Yeah, Emerson was playing. Emerson was yeah. playing. But Ravenelli was just something else. He was an absolute handful for us. Yeah. Probably should have won it in the end. You know, he missed a, you know, missed a really good chance to win it 4-3. Uh, but great game. I mean, I just remember sun was shining, so much excitement. And yeah, a little bit like, like this season, you know, mm. where... You're just going. Anything's possible. Look at all the exciting players yeah. we got. Look at all the talent we got on the side. You know, yeah. absolutely great. Remember it well. But Phil, it was it was as as Dave said, very representative in the up and down nature of it. Like the the defending, the attacking. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of got echoes for us. Uh, at it the does. Moment. It does. And I suppose this is why it sticks out in my mind in terms of when we were picking a season to start with. Um, there's so many similarities in my mind to the current Brendan Rodgers side that's actually there. But you know, it, we start off with the draw. 
draw we, we were probably a wee bit disappointed we were coming off the back end of finishing third in the season in 95-96 we'd, we'd been beaten in the FA Cup by United you know there was a level of expectancy on this side to go that one step we only make mm. one signing in Patrick Berger one real signing in Patrick Berger that summer so the feeling was that we had the squad there to go and challenge mm. um, and we come out against Middlesbrough and yeah you know first day Middlesbrough have got all their new signings there's a buzz about us and we take the tree, the, take, you know, take the, the draw at the end of it but there was that sort of concern are we going to be dodgy at the back again? Mm. You know, are we going to give away silly goals? Interesting too. I saw the man of the match reports from about four or five <coughs> different newspapers. I was doing my homework, you know, yeah. and they had Mark Wright and Bjornaby uh, yeah. were two each. Well, Matteo features heavily in the first ten games as well, and, and as the Liverpool Echoes man of the match. Yeah. Just, you know, there's there's a lot of defenders are getting the the, the credit for for good performances over mm. that initial phase, and like we go into the second game, which is the Arsenal game, that always sticks out in my mind. It was eight o'clock on a Monday night, right? So it was under the lights, and you know, the Arsenal came to us. Did no manager at this stage. Bruce Rioch had gone. Stuart Houston was was the caretaker, mm. and I remember say, thinking, you know, this is a big moment because you know this is the time to get Arsenal. They had Seam and they had Bold at the back. You know, it was a, it was. Still a well-known Arsenal side, and um, Bergkamp was there, and he was making it, starting to make his mark at that point in time. Parla was playing for them. I just remember their team that night, and we went out and we we were we, we played electric football. I remember just watching it, and we kept the ball and we moved it around, and it looked like we weren't going to beat David Seaman that night. They, there wasn't too many real chances in the first half. There was one that Collymore was going to go sort of coming for, but Seaman dashed from the line, cleared it, took it from his head. And mm. um, but the second half, then we seemed to up a gear again. And I remember the first goal, Barnes could sort of do it, a little jinky run got a shot away Seaman parried it and it lands at Marketeer who gets the shot and it deflects into the back of the net and just everyone went wild I think it was, a bit, it was about 60 minutes at that stage yeah. and for me that was the you know that's the first real sign of what McManaman was going to do across the ho- that whole season um, I remember watching him then I just, I just loved watching him because you never knew what he was going to do he was mercurial he, he is he was an enigma for, for the actual for the Liverpool fans and he was coming off the back of Euro 96 as well when it looked like he was going to be the main man for England a bit like Sterling has done for, for England in the World Cup as yeah. well and he, he was really exploding at this stage and then we had Fowler and Collymore alongside him and then he got the second goal as well again it was a little bit of a deflection that scores it but to get a 2-0 win at that stage it sort of put the disappointment of, of the trio and middles behind us and we were ready to go on again I think it was the next game yeah. Sunderland Yeah but I mean what's interesting about McManaman is you know I think it was the first time watching him we thought Jesus kid's got goals yeah. in him now I mean he always scored goals yeah, I mean don't mm. get me wrong you know he scored good goals and you know he was mercurial as you said and he created yeah. things mm-hmm. but these two finishes they weren't him picking a ball up three, beating three men and then just, just being in the right place in. he was in the right place he was arriving late into the box mm-hmm. you know he was the legs also around the midfield because the midfield had Thomas and, and Barnes in it and it wasn't a great deal of legs in either of them you know particularly Barnes but McManaman just seemed to be everywhere and I think what happened in the second half you know in particular was he just took the game mm-hmm. and he went okay we're going to win this now this isn't going to be another draw we're going to win it. I mean, two scrappy-ish goals, if you, you know, but listen, they all counted that at you, that point. You, you, at, the, at the time, there's an awful lot of chat. I know Phil, he's one of your favourite players, um, mm. Mike Manaman. I know you've always said that and we'll probably chat about him plenty as, as, as we go through this, but um, was there that level of appreciation for the kid at the time, do you think? I know I certainly did. At the, I, I thought he was just marvellous. I, I couldn't believe See, this I, team we had. I think an awful lot of the thing with the McManaman gets rolled up in the way he left the club. It does, doesn't I, it? I remember That's what I'm back saying. then, you remember the games against Celtic and all? Like they, yeah. He was he was he our was talisman. We had Fowler and we had McManaman, yeah. and those two boys yeah. were the talisman of that uh, of that team, right? And that era yeah. for, for Roy Evans. If you think back, you know, a young boy come through. Remember back to his debut and when when Sunas put him in, and you know all the way through, we a bit like Sterling. We we thought that this kid had world class yeah. talent, and you know these seasons, the 95, 96, 96, 97, 97, uh, 98, where really when he came on 
and, and mm. stepped into a league of his own in terms of his I think ability. there was I think there was questions more so than like about his heart. Do you know what I mean? Like was he was he able to put his foot in? Did he have the heart mm. to play for Liverpool? And I think that it was only as he grew a bit older and he did things like you know he's, later on in his career he got, took the captain's armband. You know mm. he's very close to Fowler. Learned a lot from Barnes playing in the middle. And I think it was only later on. But I think in his early career where he got. You know, during this era where it was quite physical, I think he, he he suffered for that a little bit, and I think that got better as he got older. Well, one thing I suppose was very notable was that him and Fowler, uh, as you say, very young talents, managed to stay and keep their places in the team. In fact, that team changed very, very little indeed mm-hmm. as we rolled through those opening ten or fifteen games of the season. In fact, the only changes I could really see were Scales and and Paddy Berger came in. Um, even during the uh, Cup Winners Cup win, Patrick Berger, when he did come in, made quite the impact. Uh, Phil, what were your initial impressions of him? Yeah, I remember when we signed Berger and I remember the excitement because you're coming off your 96 and that Czech, that Czech Republic team had had, had yeah. electrified everyone and United had signed Paborski and we had signed Berger. And, and he was it, wasn't it? Signings-wise, yeah, really. Yeah, and he had... I just remember when, when Berger came in, it, it, his real impact happened in the Leicester game. Um, he scored two that day. I remember we got to see the thunder of a shot that he had. Like mm. you know, and that's the the, the trademark of, of Berger was 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 those phenomenal long range shots and finishes that came off, and, and the I, power that he used to get in them, yeah. and of course the flowing locks. Like you know, ah, those, a player those. that comes out and delivers with flowing yeah. locks always gets. And more everyone had long hair in the nineties, so yeah. you know. He's, he's, and he taken Jamie Redknapp's number because Redknapp had got changed the number eleven, and he was wearing fi- and Red and Berger went in with number fifteen because uh, yeah. I had a jersey with fifteen Redknapp on it because I was only a kid then. So <laughs> <laughs> you were, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Keller was in goal for Leicester. The, yeah. the, the first goal he scores, and uh, there's a great quote from uh, Casey Keller after the game, and he goes, "I never even saw it." I've never seen a shot hit that hard in my life. It just flew past me, went through my hands, you know. And for a goalkeeper to come out afterwards and say it, but I remember watching him. And you know, it's a bit like, I remember the first time I saw Ronnie Rosenthal play, you know mm. what I mean? Because he was brilliant at the beginning. You're like, Jesus, look at this player. Yeah. Berger was like that. You know, the yeah. first time he, saw, he comes on against Leicester, he's absolutely magnificent. He's just got this hammer of a, of a front. Reminded me a little bit as well of Dirk Kaut when uh, Dirk Kaut mm. made his debut. And he just came out and starts shooting in life. Yeah, <laughs> he can yeah, actually yeah. shoot. And the instant love yeah, as well. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and 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 uh, with Berger kind of dra- influenced in things. It, we were top of the league by the end of September, weren't we? Yeah, I suppose you know we'd gone through a, a wee bit of a sticky patch. We we come off the after the after the tour game. I think we was we did draw nil all with Sunderland in, in the tour. Drew nil all with Sunderland, and we uh, yeah. we had a scrappy one 0 against Coventry. Scrappy one 0 against Coventry, and then we went into a two one against Southampton, and we start heading into to the back end of September with the fixtures. And I remember one of the common complaints was that we, we were able to retain possession very well. We were on a lovely mm. side on the eye, but we weren't necessarily good with in terms of creating chances or scoring many goals, which was interesting because we did have Fowler and Collymore in, in the side at that time. Collymore had gone a little bit off the boil when we get to the Leicester game and he's taken off and that's when Berger makes his in- entrance and he's playing up alongside Fowler and he's pinging the goals in. So when we go into the next game against Chelsea, we had just an exhibition yeah. of football that day. <laughs> it was the mm. 5-1. Hulla came, Hulla, remember Chelsea were being tipped as you know potential title winners here. Yeah, absolutely. They'd signed Di Matteo in the summer. Hull was you know bigging them up. Yeah, and Viali, the Viali, yeah. Mark Hughes yeah. up front. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, and um, I think was that the yeah it was the season where where was Zola at them at that stage? No, 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 no. They hadn't signed Zola yet, but they had LeBeouf playing in the back. They had LeBeouf, They had yeah. that Craig Burley playing for him, like you know. So they had, I mean, they had a good side, Chelsea. They weren't like. You know, and then they were the Chelsea yeah. they are now, but they were a very good side. Yeah, but they were, and they were seen as dark horses that year. So they arrive, and we just took them apart. Oh, mm. it was spectacularly mm. good. When I, when you look back at the highlights of that game, even now, it's just it's so good. They're so deflated and all. When the tour goal was in, they're just uh, you know you could literally <laughs> you see them wanting to get off the pitch. But yeah. the Andy Myers on goal is one yeah. of the greatest on goals of all time. <laughs> Go on, it describe is. it. 
Well, a ball comes in from the left-hand side and he's trying to do a clearing header. Mm. Yeah. Rather than do a clearing header, he basically puts it, you know, back stanchion. Yeah, off, it's fantastic. And it's his gormless face as he turns around and he <laughs> makes it. Because he kind of turns around and he just looks like, sub me. Just mm. sub me now. Yeah. Because, well, they couldn't get near us. I mean, it, you know, yeah. their own goal is kind of reflective of the fact they couldn't get near us. Forrest got a great goal at the start and we were just mm. all over them. Burger killed them. Absolutely mm. killed them. Like. It, it reminds me, that game reminded me I remember at the time as well we, we thumped them and it was sort of like the feeling we had after the Spores game last year when we yeah. thumped Spores yeah. away from yeah. them. Exactly. It was like suddenly you started thinking to yourself okay, we've got over the little rough patch of the first couple of games. We've gotten through our Cup Winners' Cup games against Mike and mm. we weren't spectacular in them. We scored three in the, we scored one away, we scored three in the, in the home leg. We were into the next round. didn't really matter. We put the points on the board. We were top of the league and by beating Chelsea we weren't just top of the league. We were there in style. It was just a, 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 to use a Brendanism we'd arrived in style at that yeah, stage. Absolutely. But it was a real statement before I think up until that point, we, even though we played well, and you know if you watch the games closely, we'd actually played pretty well. This was the game mm. going top of the league, beating Chelsea five one. You know Berger coming onto the Another scene, really tearing tearing the, the league up. I think it was the game, a bit like the Spurs game for us mm. last season, where everyone just went, "Gee, these boys are these boys are here to play." But that excitement was really, really genuinely palpable at the time. I remember I, I was watching the games because I was working at night and I was sneaking out to watch the games mm. in the pub and the atmosphere was nuts. People yeah. actually started to believe that this might be something we could do. But the other thing we have to remember, and it's, it's, it's something that, you know, as time goes on, we get further away from it. But we were only six years after That's our exactly last league. Yeah. So this the, was the, like there's the, residual belief yeah. there. We're, we're, you know, we're not that long since this being This would be like if we were going on a Champions League run in 10-11, let's say. Yeah. You know, the, 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 yeah. the memory of Istanbul would have been still so close to you at the time and that's why 10-11 hurted so much because we'd, we seemed so far away from where we'd been mm. whereas this it felt like the previous year we'd finished third we were ready to take the next step yeah. again we'd built a team that was, was ready to come back and be the Liverpool and of course with Roy Evans in charge you know the link to the boot room it felt like that, that real boot room yeah. magic was back yeah. that it was being built again there was yeah. that strong foundation again yeah. It was also uh, the first time it was probably truly a Liverpool side that, that wasn't built on a league winning side mm. do you know what I mean because Daglish's players weren't there. You know, this was this was Evans' side. Okay, Barnes was still in the middle, but this was Roy Evans' side playing Roy Evans' way. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, oh, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you and make you yeah. want me. Now that I escape, sleep, walk away, yeah. those who yeah. correlate know the world they kick, jail bars ain't golden gates, those who fake they break, when they meet their 400 pound mate, if I could rule the world, everyone would have a gun in the ghetto of course, when get the up and on their horse. Kick around, drinking moonshine. I pour a sip on the concrete for the deceased, but no, don't weep. Why Clef's in the state of sleep, thinking about the robbery that I did last week. Money in the bag, banker look like a drag. I wanna play with Pelicans from here to Baghdad. Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit. My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist. I think not. I'll send a letter to my friends. A born again hooligan, only to be king again. Ready or not, here I come. Can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and make you want me. 
Yo, I play my enemies like a game of chess where I rest. No stress if you don't smoke sense. Less, I must confess, my destiny's manifest. There's some vortex and sweats. I make tracks like I'm homeless. Rap orgies with Borgie and Bess. Capture your bounty like Elliot Ness. Yes, bless you if you represent the fool. But I hex you with some witches brew if you do do. Voodoo, I could do what you do. Easy. Believe me, frontin' niggas give me heebie-jeebie. So why you imitating Al Capone? I be needing Simone and defecating on your microphone. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. Not refugees taking over the Buffalo soldier, dread like Rasta on the 12 hour, fly by in my bomber. Crews run for cover, now they under pushing up flowers. Super fly, two lies do or die. Toss me high, only for fly with my boots from like high. I refugee from Guantanamo Bay, that's around the border like I'm cash. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. Okay, cheesy and all as it is, ready or not, off the back of a 10-game unbeaten run, we went to United away. Dave, take it up. Yeah, so, um, you know, we went into the United game in a lot of form. We were pretty excited, I think, thinking, yeah, you know, we're going to take them on. Remember, we're playing three at the back, mm-hmm. uh, so we were defensively sound, exciting going forward. And we actually, we were actually really good for the first 20 minutes. Um, you know, really took took the game to United, had a couple of chances. And then we can see the goal that, to be honest with you, we, we'd concede it right now. Ball gets lofted in towards the centre-halves. Two of them go for it. They're both battling with uh, Sosha, who's, you know, four foot and a fart. You know, he gets like, gets a touch in it, two touches, lays it off the Beckham. Beckham drills it into the bottom right-hand corner. It's a great goal. And it might be odd for newer fans to think about it, but back then when he went, went 1-0 down at Old Trafford, like, you know, you were expecting a hiding. That was a bad thing. Not like now where oh, you'd no. probably expect to score three goals and win 3-1. Yeah. You know, it was a bad thing. And uh, my other memory from that game really was uh, Schmeichel was phenomenal. Mm. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. I made a great save from Collymore. And uh, I don't know if you remember it, Phil, but he made a great save from Berger. Um, McManaman chips it through and he's so tall, Schmeichel, that he saves it with his left foot and if he's, if he's about six inches short, there's no way he makes that save. So, United win it, we lose 1-0, it's a bit of a body blow, you know, that, that, after that's, that. That's the period of time where whenever we seemed to score against United, it, it always seemed to be Fowler. He was always seemed to be slotting it through yeah. Schmeichel's legs. <laughs> yeah. mm. And who was missing that day? It was Fowler. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Exactly, so all, yeah. all those things rolled in. It's like it was either the free kicks that happened or it was the, it was through the legs. So I remember jumping around the place when he scored a free kick a couple, Sh- couple Sh- of seasons Schmeichel before. Schmeichel had the hex on Collymore as well. Yeah. Collymore could never score past Schmeichel. But Phil, it kind of uh, kicked the momentum 
uh, to touch didn't it first it did because we'd, we'd come off 10 games unbeaten at that stage you know we, we, uh, if you include the Moipa games as well you know we, we put a lovely run of form together we were going in full of confidence in everything that was going on so heading into after the United game you're looking for a response and unfortunately we, we, we had we had some wrong responses in the, the couple of games that came after I think Dave you, we lost three at the Blackburn at one stage then yeah as well. we got hammered but no this was when Blackburn yeah. were a good side man. do you know what I mean but well a good side they had Tony Parks' manager but yeah. yeah we lost 3-0 to Blackburn before the Hodgson period yeah but again it's the defence you know we were we were liable mm. you know a bit like bit like now we never conceded you know we weren't the type of team that looked like we'd only concede one goal we always looked like if we concede we could concede two or three we had a calamity yeah. in us yeah. like you know yeah, yeah. and uh, Europe I think pretty much underlined the, the, the schizophrenic nature of the team with the with the, with some of the results there the Scientai for example well for, yeah yeah again you know we, we talk about our, our European campaigns this this was the Cup Winners Cup it was our chance to, to mm. you know to put the trophy that we did the only European trophy that we didn't win on, on, on the, the sideboard it's one of those ones where you know we got all the way to the to the semis that year but I think the Cyan game quite possibly was the highlight of, of the run because it encapsulates another Because it was bananas. Yeah. Because it was bananas. I mean, we go out there and we, we win 2-1 when most people would expect a hell of a lot of a bigger victory than that. Um, interestingly, the, 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 the only thing that, def- that changes around this period, and you guys have both mentioned it there, is the defence. Um, Scales comes in, Bab comes in, alongside the usual staples. Um, the second leg, though, I think was probably one of the, the, the games of the season. I, I don't know if you guys have any memories of that one in particular, but... Uh, yeah, that, that was, it was a quiet, uh, handy hand yeah. enough 1-0 win, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, not so much, not so much. If you, if you recall, we were referred to in the papers and some of the, 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 uh, the press associates and stuff as Premiership High Flyer which was nice at the time but anyway sign arrive uh, they're 2-1 then and they go 2-1 up within mm. a little short period of time uh, McManaman uh, Stig help us out a little bit we get back level so we think it's okay we're cruising and Sandfield would be okay no they go 3-2 up um, and then within 6 minutes we have a little bit of a, a purple patch where we have a, a double from Fowler mm. uh, and it's kicked off by a goal, a beautiful goal from John Barnes and we end up winning 6-3, which is just about mental enough, isn't it? Well, it just goes to show that like, you know, winning 6-3 wasn't just things that happened to us last no. season. You know no, what no. I mean? We, we, we have done it before. We've had mad games before. I know, yeah. And, and again, going back to classic European toys, we're famed for having mad European nights. I think we're the Besiktas toy in, in, the, in, in the Champions League mm. when we scored 100 goals and you know <laughs> think about you know all, all it's not just the comebacks or those really well, that's an 8-4 aggregate win it's oh, no. nothing brilliant <laughs> like, I mean that's just so like enjoyable that's, that's that football yeah. that's, that's, that's what you want to pay, that's what you pay to go see like yeah, you yeah. know yeah, 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 especially and, and when you think about it as you said they went 2 and up so it incorporates another famous Liverpool comeback when, when we're at the side uh, playing to sign like yeah absolutely Dave uh, things uh, change a little bit again then uh, win the derby talk to us about that yeah so uh, you know it's at Anfield um, weather was terrible no game had been rescheduled. We looking out for our fourth win on the bounce. Um, we play one of the ugliest teams ever in Joe Royal's Everton team <laughs> with Joe Royal, who actually, you know, as a manager, never lost to Liverpool. Mm. Um, you know, and that didn't change on this game. Um, it was real wet, windy night, horrible night, and uh, you know, just a game full of set pieces. Mm. Remember Everton back then, like just dogs to play. You know, real dogs and uh, Mark proper Wright, dogs of war, proper dogs. Yeah, like, Duncan know, Ferguson, oh. you know, just. When you, look at, when you look Paul at Paul Ryder oh, and oh, oh, just, like, just yeah I mean they had Conchalskis who was you know a bit pacey but he was all one way um, Mark Wright nearly scores early um, and then Bjornaby and I just got to pause at this point to say 
we underestimate how good Bjornaby was. Most people did. Didn't oh they? my God, yeah. he was a phenomenal player. Great yeah. crosser. That season, ball. certainly. Yeah, Fowler scores a header. Um, and then, you know, we, we go on to play pretty well. But, uh, you know, talking about goalkeepers there, Schmeichel Southall, what a player he was back in 95, 96, mm. you know, going into 97. Real, I mean, he looked about 100, but he mm. just saved everything that we threw at him. And then 82nd minute, a little bit like now, a little bit like some of the more recent games we've had, we concede a late sloppy goal from a, from a header. Gary Speed pops it in. 1-1. One, one. And again, like the United game, you know, after a header steam, it's just a bit of a deflating result, really. You know, I think yeah. we all trudged away from that, you know, conceding a late goal. We're all a bit, a bit deflating, really. Mm. Well, we'd be hoping for uh, something something. I think we, follow, we've, we then followed it up with a, a one-all draw Wimbledon, mm. one of our favourite sides of all time to play. Do you know who the Wimbledon manager was? Go ahead. Joe Kinnear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you know what they were doing? What were they doing? Pushing for Europe. Okay, that's Imagine all. Imagine that. Joe Kinnear as a manager of a side pushing for Europe. Mm, very well. Uh, Phil, things changed slightly then uh, in the cup. Um, yeah, uh, we, you know, the, we, we, we got through against Burnley in, in the previous round and we were drawn against Arsenal that round. And we'd said in the, in, in the, the first part of the show about um, Arsenal, like they, they had a caretaker manager in Stuart Houston because Bruce Rieck had got the sta- sack at the start of the season. And this was Arsene Wenger's first game. Mm as Arsenal manager against Liverpool. Now, like we're talking, this is 96. It's, it's nearly 20 years since, since that game took place. And Arsene Wenger is the man in charge at, at Arsenal there. And it's the, the first time he comes to Anfield to, to take us on. And Arsenal took the lead that night. Uh, Ian Wright opened the scoring for them. Um, but we, again, responded the way we did in so many games, similar to the sign game. We come back and we put three goals in before, um, two before half-time, one after half-time. And um, then... Arsenal get a get a penalty for it with Ian Wright, and then we wrap up the game with the, with the fourth. And I suppose again coming to to something that 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 rings true nearly Roy Evans's whole tenure there. Arsene Wenger comes out after the game and says that they he they Liverpool were the best side he'd played against or seen in England mm. since mm. he'd come over. And this is a time when United are there and the whole lot, um, and they just couldn't live with us on the night and you know things like that you wonder does it influence the way Wenger's then looking saying well actually football can triumph in, in, in this country when he sees a, a team like Liverpool playing football against them and of course as we talked about Paddy Berger it was a season, his, his fourth season in he scores a humdinger that night 25 mm. yards out interchange like with McAteer McManaman yeah. takes one step bang mm. and a thunderbolt into the bottom corner David Seaman beating all, all ends up and you just you know everyone loved Berger at that time we, we thought we'd, scored, we'd signed another wonder player to go along so mm. the, the world I think up until this point of the season he hadn't scored anything other than humdingers I know I, I, I don't think he ever scored no, anything but humdingers you know I don't think he ever puts one in off his knee you know he yeah. always scores great yeah. goals with a hammer of a left foot like you know you yeah. can't underestimate the impression that he made Phil no you can't you can't and like I remember at the time everyone was buzzing that we had this player you know mm. he'd be done so well in the Euro in Euro 96 and then he's come in and he's done so well he, 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 he starts off with an absolute burst and if, if we saw if we had a player to come in and had that impact this season mm. we'd be all buzzing about how, oh, you know we've got a, we've got a great talent that's come in, and I suppose it takes us into the Spurs game. And again, we're back to a Spurs team that was meant to be challenging that year. And um, we go down to, to London to take them on, having having just got sort of like our force win back under our belts after after the two consecutive draws. And we go down there, and again we put on a display. The, the it was just an immense game. The Spurs couldn't live with us. Um, I can't remember who opened the score for us, but I know. The, but when Michael I, Thomas. Michael Thomas. Michael yeah, Thomas. He never yeah. scored many goals, and he scored the first goal against yeah. Spurs. Yeah, and, and it was it was a cracking strike as well in terms of the actual. No, yeah, that that the Michael Thomas goal. They were so rare. Again, I, I suppose before we started, we were talking about Michael Thomas, and he was the Henderson of the team that time. 
you know yeah he was the legs John Barnes was in there you know holding the midfield and Michael Thomas was doing the running for him like he was keeping Jamie Redknapp out of the side at the time mm. that's a great point it really you know, is it is and um, well done Phil oh, well, thanks yeah. uh, do you like that, you like I, that? I really really like yeah, that yeah yeah welcome but um, the, what that game will be remembered for the wonder strike by Steve McManaman Jinx pass two smacks away with a shot Hits a divot <laughs> and it goes over Ian Walker's head and into the back of the net. And as Roy Evans said, that uh, they like to take the portable divot with them everywhere, so <laughs> they works. couldn't want it without them. That works. Okay, well, right, to bring back memories of the in betweeny bit from the first 10 games to the Christmas period, we've won those dance anthems which re entered the charts, leading us into the party season. It's Insomnia by Faithless. Fundamental movement So when it's black This insomniac Take an original tack Keep the beast in my nature Under ceaseless attack I get no sleep I can't get no sleep
Dave, our next chunk of season starts with a pretty impressive win over Middlesbrough. Talk to us about that. Yeah, biggest win of the season. We uh, we scored five goals, beat Middlesbrough 5-1. Um, Fowler scores four goals. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. In fact, we scored six goals in the matches because uh, Michael Thomas was praising in the last <laughs> section for his goals. He actually scores an own goal. So uh, nice. we beat, uh, beat Middlesbrough 5-1. And Fowler's on fire at, yeah. uh, at this point, you know. Having one of his best seasons for us, um, you know, Colin was struggling a little bit, but but Fowler certainly on fire. Mm-hmm. And I think that game for me, the, way, the reason I remember this one when we started looking at it was that's the one that Robbie Fowler scores his hundred goal to beat Rush's record that's to hundred right. goals. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He, um, in he, terms he, of speed to them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because he he had. I remember there was. I think going into the game beforehand, there was talk of you know from, from memory it was Sheffield Wednesday and we lost one 0 in that one, and there was talk beforehand that Fowler only needed two goals to eclipse Rush's run to a hundred, mm-hmm. um, and he managed to do it against Borough that day. And considering we opened the season with a three all against them, and we had the Ravenelli show that day, mm-hmm. that night was was Fowler's moment. Yeah, and it's great. Like you know, when, when you see such a brilliant striker deliver that quickly you know, and deliver on his promise it's, it's yeah. just great seeing it records was, like that I think, I think all Liverpool fans were just absolutely blown away by that yeah. and you cannot again I said it about Berger before but you cannot underestimate uh, the standard of Fowler at that stage he was actually unplayable yeah. and every time we mention him there's a new achievement isn't there Dave? Yeah. Well I think that he'd, he'd really grown into the role as you know being the main man yeah. you know what I mean because I think that Colin Moore came in for a lot of money uh, a couple of years before he was still you know Rush hadn't long left you know so he was still under that cloud um, and actually you know talking about Carly Moore what's funny is that he'd been pretty slow in the mm. season up until this point mm. and then he just goes on this run now over the next few games and he scores six goals in, in eight games um, you know we beat Forest. We actually beat Forest four two mm-hmm. in the next game. Uh, strange enough, after that Forest game, Roy Evans came out and said that he no, he needed Stan Collymore to step up yeah. and, and give more to the actual side as well. Well, that's right because he uh, he scores two against Forest, which was his obviously his own club, his old club. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and gets a really important goal against Leicester because we were one 0 down after eighty minutes. Claridge just scored a fucking donkey of a goal. Collymore gets us out of jail yeah. there, but he really came into a bit of form there. Now, unfortunately, he didn't really see it through for the rest of the season, which mm-hmm. would be the story of kind of the story of his career really mm. that uh, was his 13th goal or 14th goal yeah but he did it all up yeah. by January do mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then we didn't really see too much of him but uh, and then you know we kind of get into cup season then Christmas 96 was also memorable for the release of Train Spotting the movie and its quintessential soundtrack accompanying our New Year dreams and revitalising his old hit was Iggy Pop
uh, speaking of the Cups, they didn't bring us much cheer at all. I think if you remember, we had uh, a succession, or certainly two, on very unfortunate results, starting with the, <coughs> the League Cup exit to Middlesbrough. Because mm. um, we were, seem to play Middlesbrough 100 billion times. It's all we season. ever do yeah. is play Middlesbrough, and they beat us 2-1. Um, that team, Brian Robson's team, with featuring the likes of Clayton Blackmore, if you're old Did enough to remember. Did they get to the final that season and get relegated? It, that was, that was the was year, it? wasn't it? It was, it was 96 or 7. It must have been. been. It must have been. A year later, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah. A year later, yeah. They, they used to get runs in the League Cup all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ro- Robbie Musto, Curtis Fleming, that kind of genius. Craig Hignett actually scored against us that day. And some he like was on the bench Steve last night. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Just in case people don't realise when we're recording this, this is the day after <laughs> the, the League Cup game. The day after the League Cup game. <laughs> uh, I suppose the only thing that was notable about that match was it was, it was Jamie Carragher's debut and, and I think Rob Jones's FA Cup debut. Mm. Um, but probably least said about that, the better. And that brings us to another uh, notable exit, which was from the FA Cup in the fourth round against Chelsea, um, uh, who were a different sort of a creature back then, but they put us away 4-2 in that. Do, do, do you guys have any memories of this game at all? I remember we seemed to be in control for the first 20 minutes of that game. Mm. We raced into a lead. We, we were dominant in terms of the, the game that was going on. We looked at, Again, it looked like we were going to comfortably handle Chelsea. With, you know, We'd been beaten 1-0 previous to this by mm. them by the, um, exactly. in, in the actual league match itself. I think the 1-0 came on, on New Year's Day. Actually, looking, when we talked about the Christmas period, Jesus, the amount of games they play. Like they talk about so many games this time. They played on there was the twenty fourth, and then they played on the twenty seventh, and then they were playing on the on New Year's Eve. And there was a game in between there as well. I can't remember the the, the exact run of games, but it just seemed to be playing every two or three. Yeah, days. it was great because we were top of the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, we had we had defensive switcheroos. Mm. We had Kvarma starting in defence um, alongside Wright there and the rest of the lads uh, in that particular game. And it was notable, uh, that Chelsea side, for the amount of managers it contained. You had Steve Clark in it, you had uh, Dennis Wise, Di Matteo, Di Matteo um, obviously Hughes himself, Zola. Mm-hmm. All those guys go on to be managers at various points of Chelsea and other teams. But what's funny about that Chelsea team, you know, looking back, is they were making the transition from being a yardhouse team which is what they've yeah, been exactly. doing for years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, With Kerry Yeah, because you suddenly got Dennis Wise in the same team as Zola. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah, was yeah. like they were transitioning out to being this really horrible team that kicked all over the but place. But it was okay because they had Scott Minto who came <laughs> off the bench and uh, leveled things off. Uh, so that's always nice. Okay, Dave, I suppose the next uh, fixture then that we, we, we could, should dwell a bit on is, uh, is uh, Villa. Yeah, so Villa was actually a really good performance. Uh, mm. We actually started to make a few changes to the squad so Redknapp played a little bit more he started to get some fitness and we actually brought Jamie Carragher in mm. uh, to play holding midfield and I remember when I first watched Carragher thinking you know this this kid's going to be like our Roy Keane you know he was he was local so you always, obviously wanted him to do well you know wasn't scared to throw a tackle in couldn't quite pass or manipulate the play as much as you might want uh, central midfielders to do but he did really well and of course he scores you know he scores one of not many Liverpool Not goals should we say yeah. that he that he was going to have uh, during his career but again Carnimo scores Fowler scores he was kind of getting into a rhythm where these boys a bit like Suarez and Sturridge were for us last season where you know you just knew they were going to score or you were backing them to score and uh, that's a really good win because Villa were a good side you know they were a really good side back then in, in the mid 90s yeah, Villa, like, Villa were always talked about as well again you know, to, you know they, they could have a run they might do something in the league and, uh, mm. and like that you know when we went to play them these weren't like gimmies at all when, when it comes down to playing against Villa and, you no, know, even that, more so back in those days exactly exactly. Um, Phil there's, I suppose that leads us on to talk, think and talk well, about Leeds yeah it? I, I, it's Valentine's Day 
the you know it's the game after Valentine's Day, so mm. the Valentine's weekend in terms of what it is, and we go and we play Leeds, and George Graham is is, is in charge. Go on, of do your Valentine's Day massacre pun. <laughs> go on, don't, don't shy away from it, Phil. You know you want. To. I wouldn't be that cheap to stick <laughs> in a Valentine's no, Day no, massacre. Definitely isn't the second time we've done it. But George Graham had employed um, at Stuck Radaby that day uh, to manmark Steve McManaman. Mm. He was booked after about a minute of the game <laughs> I started to knock that plan on the head I think Yabo was on the bench as well I remember when Yabo played for Leeds I used to be scared half witless when yeah. you'd see him come on the pitch because of that stunner that he'd scored previous yeah, yeah, to had he done much yeah, I know there was that wonderful goal but Thunder strikes yeah. Yeah, he was like, two he was, strikes that yeah, was it he was, like, yeah. he, he was like Leeds' version of Patrick Berger Except he didn't score as often. No, well, yeah. Yeah. but like you know, even but Leeds fans still hold him like in high regard. Still, yeah. they, they remember fondly the goal to score. Kept him well, on the, the was on the bench for Leeds that day. Yeah, Ian Rush. That's right. Yeah, never, it was a bit mad actually to see Ian Rush in a in a kit that was in Liverpool. I don't think it ever quite ran for him. Like really, like you no, know? it's just wrong. Yeah, it was wrong. It looked yeah. uh, he looked weird. Yeah. I just remember thinking it looks weird that he's in a white kit. You know, I just. Didn't, didn't like that. It isn't like it just. It's like it's like when Barnes leaves at the end of the season and goes to Newcastle. It was yeah. never the same when we no, saw Barnes. And then they signed Russia as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, back but that's because Kenny Kenny's the job then at that stage. So it's well. It's, exactly. I mean, speaking of Newcastle, I mean that's the next big game. That is that is the big game. You know, we we came off the back of a one 0 loss. Strange enough to Villa, which we yeah. only talked about a few minutes ago, haven't beaten them um, comfortably. We then go to Villa, we lose to an Ian Taylor strike. I think that was a late strike as well. 71 minutes. Yeah, minute. something like that. And we, we don't recover from it at all, despite playing great football. Ian like Taylor. I know, yeah, wow. yeah. Born and bred Aston Villa player. Mm. You know, boy, boyhood fan. Not of not the Robbie Keane boyhood fan fame, but an actual, actual genuine. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we like the Newcastle match. I suppose if everybody. Anyone that's thinking of the 96-97 season straight away is going to think back to the second 4-3 yeah. against Newcastle. But this was a totally different game to oh, the, totally. the, the previous one. Completely different like We raced into a lead in yeah. this one. Um, and it looked like this game was done and dusted. Like We were absolutely imperious against Newcastle. Listen, John Barnes was absolutely <laughs> majestic in, in fairness, yes. He was, yeah. for 70 minutes, he yeah. was unplayable yeah. as a central midfielder. Yeah. I've, I mean, I watched it back today just to The homework it. for this oh was, my God. was delightful, wasn't it? Was it was brilliant. Oh, it was so good to watch this again. When you watch that, like, because we win it though, that's what makes it so delightful of course, as well. It's yeah, like watching yeah. the original 4 3. Yeah. But the, I, I, you know, and when we talked about this originally, I completely forgot that Kenny Dalglish was the manager of Newcastle mm. at this stage. Like, Ke- Keegan had gone. Mm. Right, and Doug Leach is, actually, is on the bench. Actually, and it's when you look back, you go, Jesus. And he celebrates every yes, goal. Yeah. That's a really interesting right? point you made earlier on. Thing, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's funny, we just watched uh, Frank Lampard score against Chelsea and he does, you know, he does that stupid thing where he doesn't really celebrate. Yeah. Kenny's going mental. <laughs> Kenny's yeah, going he's, he's enjoying mental the shit out of When he scores goal, every goal, yeah. he's jumping yeah. out of the mm. jumping out of the dugout. And he celebrates the Newcastle goals more than when Blackburn won the league at, uh, at Anfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was mad. But anyway, it was a mad game. And the other thing that I thought was interesting about this game, you know, talking about parallels to how we played last season, we pressed and pressed and pressed Newcastle in midfield. Mm. We absolutely pressed them all over the park, made them make mistakes, you know, real high tempo. And it was only when we got 3-0 up and the tempo dropped and we just couldn't keep it fitness level. Yeah, and then we have the mad defender. Mad defender. We have have the mad defender. Despite how good David James was in the first half of the season, because he was making incredible stops in the first half of the season. Second half of the season... Cliff Hall 
his form is gone yeah. He, yeah. he bought a Playstation or Santa dropped him off a Playstation for Christmas and, that right? was it. and this is the time when his, when his head just goes hmm. it goes completely and this game is the start of it because I know we're going to come on in, in, in the last part to talk about the United game but it goes in this game and PSG as well well he makes a mistake for the first goal yeah. uh, for the first Newcastle goal it's 3-1 and then the second goal I don't really remember Janola plays just oh what a pass from one end of the field to the other Aspria goes through mm-hmm. James comes out and he lobs him yeah. As, do you know it's actually Aspria's first goal for Newcastle since the four three the season before. But come here, do you know isn't that the one where he doesn't raise his arms? Yeah. And I remember watching the game at the time. Yeah. I'm going, what? Lift lift you your arms. Lift your arms. Yeah. Please lift your arms. At least you might have a chance to get it was like, what are you trying to do? Trying to head the ball clear. It was remarkable. But whatever way Aspria hits the ball, it looks like it's going over the bar. Mm-hmm. And then it just dips right at the end and, and dips into the goal. And then the third goal is total calamity, James. It's just can, can you describe it first? Mess of a goal. People's I mean, memory. to be honest with you, I think it's better to go and watch it. I don't want, right. I, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. do it. I'm not going to do it justice. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather actually talk about the winner because the winner, yeah. the winner's a great goal. Yeah, you know, the winner's a great. Your memories of that, Phil? No, I was fairly drunk at that stage. Good lad. I just remember going absolutely ballistic watching the game. Yeah. Yeah. You watching the pub as well though. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a, it's across you... from the left hand side. Yeah. yeah. And uh just the foul it's... and foul scores. Yeah, the header, wasn't it? And and it's a brave header yeah. as well. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah. Lucas, yeah, yeah. the keeper's rushing at him and the, there's loads yeah. of defenders around him and they're like giants. Yeah. And uh Fowler heads it in and the the crowd goes mental. And and again, it would be like Imagine we scored against Palace last season, you yeah. know, where it was 3 yeah. Imagine yeah. we scored the winner, what yeah. we would have felt like. And it That's was, what it felt And like. you could see, and they pan back to the bench, and Roy Evans has gone mental on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Kenny is completely deflated in, in the same position that Keegan was in the previous year. Yeah. Head down. Head just down, down. Just wow. can't believe it. Like, yeah. yeah. I think Roy Evans came out with a quote that he felt like he'd been thrown into Mersey that night and then dragged back out again. It was like, it was yeah. just, it was just mental football. Mm. And yeah. it was like, it, it encapsulates the brilliance and the madness of that season it's in, what everyone remembers of yeah, it yeah you know and it's, it's, it's such a, like I think after that game we were only a point behind United well after that game you know and, and I think we're going to go on in the last part of the show to talk about the run in but it felt like everything was possible at that point that was mm. the game where you felt like that was a big hurdle Newcastle were a good side and it, it just felt like anything was possible yeah as Liverpool looked at a potentially glorious run-in while still basking in the glow of that era-defining 4-3 victory over Newcastle, one song was everywhere. Sadly, that song was Cooler Shaker's <laughs> Hush. <laughs>
So I suppose our next chunk of season uh, begins with Arsenal, Dave. Yeah, and I think that you know when you when you think about you know significant games in in the history of the Premier League, this probably for the football wouldn't be one that a lot of people would remember. Mm. Uh, we win the game, mm-hmm. uh, we win two one, but it's the game where uh, Fowler goes down. Um, and let's be honest, he dives. Mm. You know what? We don't actually know what he thought, but you know, he gets up and he tries not to get Seaman sent off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So he's waving to the referee. Now I don't know whether he's saying to the referee, "It's not a red card," or he dived or whatever it was. Anyway, the referee gives a penalty, and uh, Fowler steps up to take it and misses. Mm. And actually, you know, we were talking to Jason Marketier, a friend of the pod, a couple of days ago. <laughs> and, uh, Excellent work. You know, I was asking him. About, I asked him about the penalty, and he said, "Look, if." If Robbie Fowler wanted to miss that penalty, he would have missed the penalty. He would have missed the penalty. Yeah. You know, Which is the keeper fair. makes the save, yeah. Marketeer puts the rebound in. But the other thing I remember about this game is that Collymore was immense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely immense. Dragged Arsenal all over the place, scored a goal, uh, was really, really impressive. And I think that uh, Fowler's head kind of went after the penalty instant mm-hmm. that he was really quiet. So Collymore had to step up. Like, you know? Do you know what's interesting? The, the, and I've always thought about this. The, in the first Arsenal game, the, the, I think it was the League Cup match, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fowler won a penalty against Lee Dixon. And the Arsenal fans, uh, well, the Arsenal weren't mad that, that he dived for the actual penalty. Right? Yeah. And I've always thought, did that play in his mind when he went down under the, under the Seaman Challenge that he got up to show sportsmanship? You know, there's always yeah, a talk yeah. about the sportsmanship now. Did, did he get up to do it? Now, look, as, as, as they said, I don't think he intentionally meant to miss the penalty, but I don't think he hit it the same way he'd normally hit his penalties. Yeah. So he was giving Seaman half a chance that if he goes the right way, he might save it. Do you know what I mean? Right, you see, you so, think there was a little bit of that. I think, I think yeah. there, there could be, even if it's subconscious as yeah, opposed to a conscious so, decision so. to do it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not. I, he could have rattled it into the top corner the yeah. way Robbie Fowler could. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this was giving him a chance. That he did get quite a lot of positive publicity for that, which yeah. was nice considering uh, it was badly needed for a bit of balance. I love the fact that McAteer followed up. Oh, yes. I, I, I went oh. I'm not a fan of fair play at all. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I know. And like the the pressure parts there was that Arsenal were out of the hunt. Mm. You know, Arsenal yeah. finished second that year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's gas when when things turn out. You know, at this stage of the season, and even thinking back to last year against City, when we win against City, the press have us winning the league because mm. it was ours to throw away. Yeah. You know, it's funny how things finish out in a run in, and it comes down to the old thing that the, the pressure now really comes on the team. They're a point behind. Yeah. United is coming coming over over the hill. You know, it's it, that ends up being billed as the title decider, and it is like I I still believe to this day we beat be United at home in that game. We mm. go on to win the league. Yeah, but we got the Merseyside derby before that. Yeah, right. T- tell me Away. a little bit about that. And that is the key moment. Mm. I think horrible game. I mean, the first game was a horrible game, right? So b- both games uh, this season end in one-one draws. Yeah, both uh, you know real scrappy game. But the problem for Liverpool, and really the only instant I, I'd want to talk about, is the Fowler gets red carded. Yeah. and gets banned. Eighty-second um, minute as well. It wasn't even like yeah. this is early. This is. And to be fair to him, right, he got kicked all game. Yeah. by Unsworth. he really it was, did. It was a real job that oh, was done on him that absolute. night. He spent the night kicking him up and down the park. I remember that. And Fowler grabs him, kind of half around the shoulders, half around the neck, you know, for a split second. They get David apart. Unsworth, like, yeah, th- that's not even a yellow card. No, it's not a yellow card. And Fowler gets red carded, and then of course, so that means he gets to play the United game. But after that, he's banned for the rest of the season. And you know, I think psychologically, mm. that was a hammer blow for mm. Liverpool. It was a bit like it would have been like 
Suarez getting banned for the mm. run-in last season. <laughs> or Jordan <laughs> Henderson, for example. Or Jordan Henderson. Or the Jordan Henderson exactly injury is a good, it's a good parallel. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly like that. I suppose we had a little bit of a break from the tension of the Premier League uh, in our cup adventures. And the Cup Winners' Cup, as we mentioned, was the one that, 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 that had eluded the club. And here we were against Brian Bergen um, in a two-legged uh, two-legged third round before the semi-final which is bizarre and we had uh, Steve Harkness coming in uh, there must have only been about 12 teams in that competition yeah, I think God, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, pod favourite Neil Ruddock as well uh, alongside Scales and Babman the away leg is a non-event really it's a one-all draw um, but the second leg is where things kick in a little bit at Anfield and we have a pretty impressive 3-0 victory there uh, at the time it's interesting Phil because the Liverpool were, were described in the press as an unpredictable force yep. which uh, we've been making these parallels all the way here between the present and that era mm-hmm. and that, nothing sums it up better than that Yeah, yeah, and I suppose it's it, 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 it's that type of thing where you, you, when you look at the league when they get behind in, in March in terms of chasing United at that stage there's always that thing they miss, they keep missing opportunities to go ahead of them mm. keep missing repeated opportunities yeah. to go ahead in the league yeah. there's always points dropped at crucial moments and as we head into the semi-final of the Cup Winners Cup like I think every one of us at that stage thought, you know, PSG, you know, this 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 is something that we're going to do. Yeah. We definitely. I mean, we were immense favourites to beat mm. PSG. Yeah, but and it's only when you think back on it, and maybe it didn't register with you at the time because the guys weren't maybe of note. But looking at the PSG at the time, you've got Leonardo there, who's clearly yep, a world yeah, star yeah. and goes on to be a world star. But <laughs> you had names. Uh, this really tickled me. Bruno Ongotti, remember that chap? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didier Domi, remember yeah. him? And Paul Le Guin. Yeah, all of those in that in PSG yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 again, you know, it, as you as you guys say, we were favourites. But we got tonked yeah. in, in, in Parc de Prince 3 zip. I know. Uh, a very, very, very uh, unfortunate situation, which there were two goalkeeping errors, which is now kind of a team of but the latter half of the season. This is the time he gets he gets christened as Calamity James. This and is this, the one. This yeah. is the constant thread through the second half of the season that David James starts making errors in big games and at big moments. And it's sort of, you know, that's it was unfortunate for James because he'd worked so hard to become number one at the club. Yeah. You know, he'd, he'd fended off competition to, to get in. The first half of the season, he's in, immense. Yeah. And I, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again he was immense the saves he was making he had no right to make in, in mm. half the saves he was doing and then it's like somebody turned a switch off yeah. in the yeah. second half of the season it's like he couldn't deal with the pressure of, of what was going on because he he just stops doing what he was not so much he stopped the saves but the sensible things that he had done up yeah. until then he stops and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy we're seeing it with Mignolet what happens is once a goalkeeper loses confidence opposing teams put them under more pressure mm. so what they did with James was they crowded him all the time yeah. they knew he was uncomfortable yeah, he's second guessing himself all and the time yeah. it's just this perpetuated circle yeah. because you know so after the European game we've got We've got the big one, but but yeah, but, and what's even more depressing about that that that, that cup final, or that semi final second leg is that we have left ourselves on a mountain to climb. It's at Anfield, but how many times have we, yeah. you know, set up situations like that? We've got a three goal deficit to overhaul. We manage with Robbie Fowler's thirty first goal of the season uh, to claw one back. Mark Wright scores as well. It's two nil, but we just never really get mm-hmm. there, and. <laughs> 
John Barnes has act, acts for the game and for uh, the run in the season as well and that starts to end the three match suspension is kicking in after this for Robbie Fowler I think it, it, it's one of these it's, 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 it's now at this stage it's becoming you know a, a, a big snowball starting to head down the yeah. side of a mountain yeah, it's yeah. you know the, the, the things momentum are starting to back up yeah, yeah we've lost the momentum that we had coming out of the Newcastle match and beating Arsenal you know the, the derby is the turning point towards the end of the season um, and I, t- I suppose then we're heading into United. The bill and going into United is just massive. Yeah, I remember it was. It's the first game I remember Sky going absolutely bananas on. You know yeah. what I mean? I, That's what I was going to say to you. As you watched, and, and we all did a little bit of homework here to jog the the the, the adult memories. It's quite a while ago, after all. As you were watching that, did you all? Did you, did you two lads see the build up where they were going around interviewing the fans, Sky style? I couldn't get over you? the amount of Courtney's haircuts that were going. Oh on man, well. the haircuts were yeah. amazing. Boy band haircuts, yeah, at yeah, left yeah, right yeah. The curtains were down. There, everyone had yeah. middle partings, and it was like. But the confidence carpet was jackets that was featuring heavily in the in, in the crowd that was going big, on. You mean match jackets? Those ones? No, no, no the carpet, carpet jackets. jackets yeah, they were sort of like this horrible sort oh, of. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but those guys with the carpet jackets, they were very confident. And <laughs> they were very stylish. Very confident and very. But you know stylish. what? It, it's like the City game, though, right? You know, last season where we have to win. Mm. United don't have to win. Yeah. They just well, that's exactly they it, just yeah. need to not lose. A little bit like City. If City got a draw from Anfield last season, you know. They two, were, two points in, I'm right in saying at that stage. Two right? points no, was two it two or one? Yeah. One or two. Yeah, okay. it was it was a win. A win puts us top. A win puts us top. It yeah. was Chelsea. We could not afford to lose because mm. we were given then we were creating a five point gap and it was a two match swing that we needed as opposed to a one match swing yeah. for the remaining game, the yeah. remaining three games that was um, there. And you know, all all our chickens came home to roost in this game. We concede uh three headers. Oh. So the first first one's Pallister. But do you remember the save that James makes for for the corner for the first one? Yeah. It's an he makes an incredible save. It, I think it was Solskjaer gets a bullet header on, on goal. Mm. He tips it over the bar. It looks it looks like yeah, that's you know, job done, we'll 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 deal with the corner. Boom. And then Pallister scores. So we're one 0 down, Barnes scores a header. Mm. Uh so it's one all. Great header. Great header. Uh crowd gets up for it. Pallister scores again. You know, two one down, oh, and then we're chasing passed. the game, and then calamity, James, full yeah. on. I think drop, Andy Cole, Andy Cole comes on as the second half. So comes he? on as the second half. So be actually uh, because there was t- there was talk about them selling him um, at some stage because there's no transfer deadline at that stage. There being talk right the way through the season that the the you know the the United you know, would sell. I think Andy Cole started actually. I think they brought him back in for this game. That's what it was. He uh, he started and he was anonymous most of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, he never did anything, and then. James dropped the ball at his feet and it was yep. 3-1 and it was like you could feel you know you, you, you could just feel the air seeping out of just everyone yeah. totally deflated after it was, that it was, it was the slip last season it, it, was, was, it, was, it, it was, was that moment it was that moment yeah, yeah. yeah. where everything's yeah. just it's gone. that's it now it's over yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that, I suppose that takes us into the final three games and you know it's hard to remember much what happens go, going on in, in the final three games yeah but the biggest disappointment that I remember out of the last three games, we go and we beat Spurs after it, right? So we still have a mathematical chance with the last two games yeah. to go. Um, and we're without Fowler and we're thinking, OK, we beat Spurs, we've got a chance now to, to, to push on. And maybe, just maybe, there might be a, another turn, there might be a twist. You know, it might drop points and we might capitalise and then put the pressure back onto them going mm. into the last game. We go to Wimbledon. And I remember that game that night. The, the most notable thing, Michael Owen scores. That was like, I remember mm. Michael Owen scoring. Yeah. I think we were beaten 2-1 on the night, but we were well beaten on the night. And when Michael Owen scores, I was praying to God that we'd be, you know, that we'd somehow, at the, by the end of the game, turn it around. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and, and Wimbledon were eight. I mean, their season was yeah. over, right? They weren't, you know, 
they were on the beach yeah. and they were just Wimbledon against Liverpool just, uh, yeah, well, yeah it was, it's a decade of the Indian sign over us kind of they were, they, they were a worry yeah. always constantly a worry but Owen scored scored a good goal actually mm. you know scored a goal that he you know he'd score many like that uh, which was but at the time you couldn't really enjoy it mm. you know you couldn't enjoy that this no. this new star had come on the scene um, because we we needed to win but do you know that. what and the greatest regret about this whole season um, and it's probably my last <laughs> point on, on the actual season we play Sheffield Wednesday in the last game of the season yeah, um, and we don't win yeah, and we miss out on the Champions League they'd mm. extended it to two teams that season um, and we finished level on points with Newcastle and Arsenal both have better goal difference to us due to the amount of goals we conceded that we conceded we finished fourth and missed out on the Champions League yeah. now had we finished in Champions League that year I know the money wasn't the same right Yeah, but again it sets you back up again it's for the following course, season well like, you know they coined the phrase we finished fourth in a two horse race Yeah, that was that was that was us that season. That us. You know, we were, we should have won the title, mm. right? Because we were the know, best team. We were the better best side. Team. And we finished fourth. Yeah. I mean, never mind finishing second like we did last season, you know, but, yeah. but that's what it felt like. It well, just it's a similar principle. It was, yeah, it was yeah. similar to the Palace draw last season. And it's probably, in a way, the team never recovers. No. Roy Evans' team's never recovered then. Haven't gone so close two Twice years Twice in a row, that's the problem, isn't yeah. it? The, like, the, mentally, the team yeah. was shot. shot. Well, they yeah. lose characters after that. Yeah. Barnes, Barnes goes, goes yeah. right, uh, right goes, or certainly starts to play a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Carlimo's head, head had gone by then. Yeah. You know, he was never the same player after that. You know, the and the I think struggling. I think it just catches up yeah. on them. I think that was their their moment a little bit. Hopefully, not like us last season, but there was a lot of parallels. It's actually been great looking back at it. I think you know it was really great to look back on the season. Yeah. But I would hope that we're at the start of something rather than the finish of something here with our lot. We are absolutely, hopefully, and that's about that then. Yeah. So as a season which seemed to promise so much yet cruelly delivered so little comes to a close, the song dominating the charts had a real Liverpool echo to it. Olives, you're not alone. Let's grow. 
So to round off our f- trippers down memory lane, we are delighted to be joined by John Barnes. We're delighted to celebrate our birthday by having a chat with one of the greatest players ever to don the Liverpool. John, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us this evening. My favourite side was the 87-88 team in which you were probably the brightest of all the stars in it. Who did you rate as the finest player that you played alongside in that Liverpool setup? Well, of course, coming to Liverpool in 87-88 when they were the best team in England, they had fantastic players. Obviously, Ian Rush came back here later, but to me, the most important and significant player of that period was Alan Hansen. And I think Liverpool's demise had a lot to do with him retiring a few years later as well as Kenny Dalby sleeping. Yeah. But, you know, that side had a great balance. You know, obviously, Peter Berger coming was fantastic. He was the most expensive signing in, um, in English history at that time. And he played really well. Um, John Aldridge was scoring goals. You had Ronnie Reed and McMahon in midfield. I had a great relationship with Stephen Nichol. It was just a, 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 a team that really just fell on its feet. You know, with a lot of new players coming in and we could have been forgiven, forgiven time to settle. But fortunately, from the first couple of months, we really, sorry, for the first couple of weeks, everything just gelled. So it's impossible for me to name any one player. But, you know, I think one of the most important players was Alan Hans. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, doing, doing my job for me, John, you've mentioned there the idea of a lot of new players coming in and taking time to settle. What is your take on the travails of Brendan Rodgers' current crop as they try to bed in together? Well... Um, obviously, they haven't started as well as we would have liked. However, as I said, we were very fortunate that it just happened to work more by luck than by design. As I felt that Liverpool team last year worked, you know, and just they just gelled together, you know, instantly. Whereas this team has to be given time. It would have been nice had they just, you know, gelled straight away. But for the fact that they haven't started well doesn't unnecessarily worry me unduly because I know that they're good players. You know, Brendan Rodgers is a good manager. Yeah. So given time, this team, once they get used to his methods, once he gets used to them, they get used to playing at Anfield, get used to the team, to their teammates, they will be fine. So it hasn't started off as well as we would have liked, but I have no fear that, you know, in the near future, we will be playing in a, in a much more cohesive manner as we saw in, you know, last season. One of the new boys, Mario Balotelli, is, is a man that most uh, Reds are hoping is going to become a real hero at the club. Um, He's had to endure the indignity of racist abuse very recently, as has Glenn Johnson. Um, most of us have been pretty impressed by, by the words that you've had on the subject in recent times. Do you feel that any progress is being made at all in this area? Do you see it more as a societal thing or as a football issue? There's nothing to do with football whatsoever. Until people in society start to accept people for who they are and, and, and in terms of the, the perception they have of them from an intellectual and moral point of view. In all walks of life, in all industries, you'll have of which football is just one. You have, you know, um, situations like we see. If you look at the institution of journalism, for example, how many black journalists are in mainstream journalism? Yeah. So just for the very fact that today aren't racially being abused, does that mean that there isn't unconscious racism in, in, in the industry of journalism? And, and, and as, a, as I said, that's no different to any other industry in the world, because, sorry, in England, because if you look at the higher echelons of society, there aren't black people in politics. So we're underrepresented all, all, all over. So it's, a, it's, it's got nothing to do with football, especially with society, of which football is obviously one of the biggest media-attentive um, parts of it. Yeah, absolutely. As a man, I'm moving back towards the football end of things, who, towards the, towards the, the end of your career, you move more and more centrally in, in, on the field. Um, where do, how do you feel about the debate that seems to be um, raging about where best to utilise Stephen Gerrard at the moment, the guy who's also sort of uh, having a bit of a, a change about and where, where he's being deployed on the pitch? Well, that was forced on me because I rubbed my Achilles tendon, so I wasn't able to do what I had before. So I started playing around at 28, 29, yeah. um, because I rubbed my Achilles tendon and I couldn't sprint anymore, so I had to do that. It's not been forced on Stephen. Stephen did it because the team needed him there with all the attacking answers we had, they needed him there. And it's also not foreign to Stephen. Stephen could have been the best 
role, like where Claude McAlealy and, and Michael Essien and John Albany Kell and Michael Carey plays. Mm-hmm. Stephen decided to be that, which is a very important role, and he can't be on the ballot. He, he would have been able to do it. So him doing it now is not an issue whatsoever. And of course, Stephen is part of the team, and I suppose that Stephen's form is reflective of the team. The team aren't necessarily playing particularly well, and Stephen's a part of that. But in terms of questioning his ability to do that, not a, to do that with his eyes closed. So um, it's more to do with the fact that, you know, once the team starts to play consistently well, we'll see Stephen obviously playing better as well. Yeah, well, that's very encouraging to hear. Um, of the current crop of, of, of young talent that's there at the moment, Raheem Sterling clearly stands out as, as probably the most gifted. Um, there have been comparisons to yourself in terms of, 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 of his speed and his, his skill on the ball. Um, do you see any ceiling for Raheem Sterling at all? How good can he be in your opinion? He can be very good, but at the moment it's just potential. Um, and I don't want to put too much pressure on him by saying how good he can be because he's so many youngsters who've come on and not realize that potential because of the pressure we put on them. Sure. Telling them and, and telling, saying how great they, they can be, which they can, but it has to be realized. And until I would like to see him consistently, which is not his fault because he's only 19, but I'd like to see him play consistently well for three, four years, then we can start putting pressure on him to do this regularly. So yes, he's got great potential. He can be a fantastic, he is a fantastic player and he can, and, he, and of course there's room for improvement. But, you know, he's not in the finished article. And why should he be? He's only 19 around for a year and a half, two years. So, hmm. you know, but he is a fantastic talent and, and hopefully he can realise his potential. Yeah, absolutely. On the show here, John, uh, along with countless other people, we've been pretty impressed by your thoughts on a variety of different topics lately. And, and it's good to see you uh, um, uh, speaking so so regularly um, on different on different topics. Um, we'd love to see you taking a, a prominent role for Liverpool. Is that something that would interest you in the least? Or, or do your plans for your future lie completely elsewhere? Listen, I'm open to any offers. <laughs> I plan to do anything. Sure. In fact, I plan to be I plan to be Liverpool's manager next week, but I'm not going to. Yeah. You know, I plan to <laughs> yeah. England's manager. It's not a question of what I'm planning. Yeah. It's a question of what plans are for me. So, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. I work in the media, and of course, I, I do lots of stuff for Liverpool because, you know, when I am part of the Five Times organisation, who goes and does talks for the Liverpool Supporters Club, yeah. uh, Liverpool Supporters Club, we play for the Liverpool veterans. You know, I'm still a fan of the club, um, but I, you know. It's, if there's, any, if there's anything to do with the club, that the club has to really approach me if they, if they feel that that's something they would like to do. It's not me, not up to me to plan to employ myself for the club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's obviously something that I would, I would obviously be interested in doing because of, I mean, I do that anyway. Because I suppose any of the Liverpool players talk about the club in, in glowing terms and we want the club to do well. We respect the club, we love the club and, and we try and help the club in any way we can even though we may not be officially involved. One one of the ex players that we had uh, um, on the show on Monday evening is Jason McAteer, um, and he was uh, he was uh, speaking to us about a variety of topics. We asked him about his favourite tunes of the year, and now sadly all Jason could come up with was the Spice Girls. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> was there any is there any music of that era, uh, John, which sticks out in your memory or helps you define that period for you? Of the year, this year. Well, of, of sorry, of the of the ninety six ninety seven period, which we were talking about with J- with Jason. I can't even remember the music from that. <laughs> <laughs> from Michael Jackson. <laughs> you know, I like Michael Jackson. Oh, that's right. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a footballer, so music in play. You know, of course, I, lo- I love rap music. Any rap music that was out that time was fine. But for me to know that in 96, as opposed to 98 or 94, this was out. 
No, I'm, you know, I have a little bit more in my life going on. <laughs> I can't remember what was in the chart. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. John, hey, it's Phil here. Listen, did you not have a, a stereo in the dressing room? You know, nowadays the, the, the Liverpool account are, are often plugging what the lads are listening to before games and after games and stuff like that. Was, was stereos not in the dressing room back then or was it just... Well, they were starting to come out then, but I was an older player then, so I wasn't interested in that. And I, <laughs> I didn't like the idea of having music in the dressing room. I learned to play football. And of course, in the mid-90s, to after that, you know, it started coming out of the dressing room, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't a DJ anyway. I didn't have nothing to do with the music there. So I suppose the younger boys would have told you what was actually being played then. But I was trying to, you know, try and win matches. <laughs> John, you you were you were actually you were famed for your your uh, your extravagance in your in your uh, clothes and your clothing tastes. Uh, who would you admire now as somebody that that you think is very well turned out? Or was there anyone at the time that you that you that you you respected how they looked? No, once again, I wasn't. You know, I like I like clothes, but I, I wasn't. I didn't follow fashion, and I didn't look and say who I wanted to be like. But now I know what people are actually wearing. Yeah. So I don't know what clothes does anyone wear. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, not I'm, 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 I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Um, so I have to say that Mario Balotelli had on a nice pair of trousers. I'm not really interested. In so, uh, they can score goals. I'm interested in. Yeah. I'm not interested in what clothes they're wearing. Delightfully old school. <laughs> That's the way to go. Hey John, how is it going? It's Dave. Uh, when we were talking to Jason on Monday, you know, we were talking to him about like his favorite goal, and he was uh, he was talking about the the rebound from Fowler's penalty that he scored. I think it was his first goal for Liverpool. Mm. Which which kind of of your goals kind of sticks out for you? That you know, if you could relive that moment, you'd you'd relive it. Well, I would like to relive my old ten years at Liverpool, not just any individual moment, because that is what you know shows the. The quality that you are as a player over a long period of time, winning matches, losing matches also, but also going through a period of consistency. Mm. So individual moments to me meant nothing. But if I had to pick out an individual moment, it would have to be the goal against Street Soccer in my first at Liverpool. Um, because it was early on in the season, QPR was top of the league with us, and Ian uh, Rush had come back to watch the fans were singing his name. It was a new team. How were we going to perform? And we dismantled a very good QPR team, 4 0 and I scored two. And um, I scored a goal from the halfway line. So yeah. I think that's probably my favourite all time Liverpool goal. We're already living it right now, John. So. <laughs> <laughs> and John, John, John it's, uh, it's Stephen here. Um, w- one of the things that always strikes me, I, I was relatively young back in back in uh, sort of mid 90s. 26. <laughs> yeah, I was only mid 30s at that stage. Um, no, but but one of the things that strikes me is, is how fluid. And, and how attacking our team under Roy Evans was. And, you know, he, he really was somebody that, if you look back on it now, probably was very unfortunate in the time he was manager, in the sense that, you know, with four Champions League spots now, he, he would have qualified for the Champions League on a, on a regular basis, and, and as would yeah. the team that you were captaining. Um, you know, do you feel that he was, he was maybe shifted on a little too early when Jared Houllier was brought in side by side, or, or how did that affect the dressing room? You know, what, what were the thoughts well, of the players at the time? No, well, I left before Roy Evans. Oh, that's right, yeah, sorry. So I left in 97, and of course Roy is very unfortunate because won the league um, a few years, we played really well, we were attacking, we were close second we're very very close yeah. to winning the league that I obviously left in 97 when I you know obviously was made plain to me that I wouldn't be playing every week and I wanted to play right. I could have just stayed at Liverpool and been on the bench and played now and again or even played half the game but I've, everyone's different but in my uh, as far as I'm concerned you know I wanted to play football and it's me going to a, a smaller club if you like or a club where I believe I could play more I would do that mm-hmm. then Gerard Hule came in a few months after I'd gone and then of course Roy left so I don't know the dynamic of what happened that year yeah, Roy yeah. and Gerard were, were joint managers. Of course, Jason was there at the time, so maybe he would have more of an idea. 
Yeah, and and do you, do you, have, do you have, an, I was an outsider looking in, so I didn't I didn't know the dynamic of of, of how things went that season. I get you. Either Roy staying or going, and it's and it's probably a case whereby the the first year you leave, you know, is it is it a case when you leave the club and and you've been so ingrained for so long that you nearly take a further step back to to give yourself that little bit of a break? You're you're probably nearly closer to the to what's going on in the club now than what you were that first year when you left. But I've become to live in the area now, and I'm, I'm yeah. close to the ground now, and I'm still associated with the club. So, now that when I left, when I left, I was at Newcastle. I was living in Newcastle. I was training every day at Newcastle. I was yeah. for Newcastle. So yeah. I didn't have a clue what was happening at Liverpool because I was just completely gone. And it's not a question of me taking a step back. It's a question of that now. I'm in a different job, in a different area, training every day with new players. So yeah. you know, to know what was happening at Liverpool, I didn't have a clue. Not Apart cool. from obviously seeing the results. Yeah, John. Just to bring it t- towards a conclusion, that like I say, we, we, we're thinking about and talking about the ninety six, ninety seven season quite a bit. Um, do you see a lot of similarities between that side and the current setup? There's some touchstones there: the attacking fullbacks and uh, the experienced man in midfield, um, uh, a bit of a hot shot striker up front. Do you see any parallels there? Yes, and also the fact that they're very attacking and, and, and play with a lot of flair. Um, and and also they have their defensive problems. They have their defensive problems for different reasons because they're very physical. The fact that you're Mark Wright, but therefore crosses and stuff like that wouldn't necessarily suffer from. But we also conceded quite a few goals because of the nature of our, our game. So our defensive problems are, are are for different reasons. But these teams still have defensive problems. I think that we probably in '96-'97 um, rely on any one particular player, whether it be Robbie and and, and, and Stan. They have scored goals. Steve McManaman, and James Redknapp. You know, we still had good players who would chip in with their goals and, and, and lend to the attacking prowess. Whereas I think now, um, obviously with Suarez and Sturridge last year and this year, maybe relying on one or two players. But um, there are similarities. We give this time, the team time, because, you know, that team was the combination of two or three years on the Roy. Mm-hmm. And this team is, you know, two months two months old. So I'd like to think that this team can, can reach the heights that that team reached and, and hopefully surpass it. John, can I just ask, like, you, you went through probably three phases of Liverpool um, teams. You, you were part of the dominant team of the late 80s. You, you were in the sort of spell in the early 90s where we faded away, where sort of the, the empire more or less crumbled. And then we had that wonderful spell, Jordan Evans, Roy Evans, when we were winning trophies again. And as we said, we're, we're challenging again. I suppose when you look at all those three periods, obviously the, the, the one where you're winning league titles and all will, will stand out. But is there any moments, you know, sort of in the darker points, you know, d- d- when 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 you know we weren't winning games, say under Sunas, and things weren't going great, or even when we just couldn't seem to get over United, that maybe you look back and say, you know, the, it was one result or two results here or there, or even like the the loss in the the ninety five ninety six FA Cup final, that maybe you know gave a bit of you know the lack of mentality that would have been needed to to push us on and maybe put us back at the top of the tree at that stage. No, but once again, as I said, there are no individual moments yeah. that cost you a league. There are individual moments that really make you the team that you actually are. Mm. That's why Steven Gerrard slipping is not the reason why we won, lost a league. Mm-hmm. We would have won games where we shouldn't have won and we'd pick points up, but no one remembers that. We always remember either individual moments like Steven Gerrard slipping and thinking that's when we lost a league, but no one remember when we've been lucky to pick points up, and if we had lost all games, we wouldn't have been in the position we were in the first place. 1989, I should have taken the ball in the corner, people tell me against Arsenal, and that's why we lost the league. But there would have been t- games where we would have won points and there are other t- points in that game whereby decisions could have been made. So I don't look at any individual moments. That's the moment when all of a sudden we knew. It was a culmination over a period of time of us taking our eye off the ball, us not being consistent, us not being committed, us not um, being focused, which, which happens um, 
over a period of time. So it seems as if it happens very quickly, but it doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, and that is why teams and Manchester United are finding that out now. Mm. Um, that's not it. So, and it's not just, and that doesn't happen overnight for Manchester United because they hadn't replaced a lot of the older players when things were going well for them. Then all of a sudden, they all got too old at the same time. And then all of a sudden, it because it, this happened quickly, but it didn't. It was, it was always going to happen. They didn't address that situation. Mm. Now, Van Gaal is trying to do that. And first, it was similar. So, yeah, I can't think of any one point. But the good thing about it is that there were points where you could have got individual success, like the cup finals and the games you could have won. Um, but that didn't necessarily mean, had we won the cup final in the 95, 99, I don't necessarily think that we would have continued to or, or started to win the league again just because we'd won the cup final. Mm-hmm. John, really, really, really good insights and really appreciate your gentleman. Thanks for your time. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. (laughs) COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Podcast Network.